Hey there, believers. Let's get through this commercial break first so we can enjoy a full show. Do you want to be prepared for anything that could happen in day-to-day life or when disaster strikes? From the office to the outdoors, then please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check out the packs that they have to offer. They're made in America, and I mean every single piece of fabric, hardware, buckle, and frame. All the labor, too, is right here in America. So when you buy from Squatch Survival Gear, you're supporting multiple small businesses right here at home. I've become good friends with Chris. Um, He's a military vet. So all of these packs are made to mill spec. All right, so they're all military standard packs. They're good for everything. These things are virtually bomb proof. I promise you, I own two of them. I have the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. They cannot be beaten. I've I've had gear all my life. I had gear in the military. I have gear when I go hunting. I have gear for camping. The Squatch Survival gear changes the game. All right, I, I take one to work every day. I take the Mothman pack with me to work. Just use it as a regular backpack, but it's so functional. It's it's just unbelievable quality. All right, so please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Now, to save 15% site-wide, I encourage you to use promo code 23BUMP. That's 23BUMP to save 15% site-wide. Do you love coffee? Of course you do. Who don't? I'm drinking a cup right now. SoberVet Coffee is a military family-owned company that brings together a love of coffee and support for military-affiliated people in recovery. SoberVet Coffee donates 20% of net proceeds to charities that support military and veteran mental health. Co-founders and spouses David and Christina Beardsley built SoberVet Coffee to connect current and former military families that are in the community of recovery. This specialty third wave coffee is roasted to order, so you are guaranteed the freshest brew. It's available in whole bean or ground for your home brewer. And listeners will receive a 10% discount with the code BUMPBELIEVERS. That's B-U-M-P-B-E-L-I-E-V-E-R-S. BUMPBELIEVERS. Go to SoberVetCoffee.com, find the blend you like, and order a batch today. I believe in this coffee because I believe in David Beardsley. I served with Dave, we deployed together, and I love him like family. God bless you, and God bless America. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So now that we have this knowledge, we have to remember to walk in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. 
And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Hey there, believers. i got a great episode for you today. This week, I'm bringing on Tony Merkel. You may have heard of him from the Confessionals podcast. Pretty popular show. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tony's coming on today, and we're going to dig into his new project, The Shape of Shadows. So I look forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know what else we're going to get into. I don't know how long the show is going to go. But I'm here for it. Um, I'm excited. You know, I haven't haven't had Tony on the show before. I was on, I had like a small cameo, like, you know, small appearance on his show a couple years ago. Um, it was like a, a, a podcaster's episode or something. There was like five or six of us on this big, um, big, long two-parter episode. And I was somewhere in the middle of that. I don't remember episode number or anything like that. But I got an email from Tony's team, and uh, I'm happy to have him on. I I can't wait to dig into it. I got to uh, I got a little sneak peek at the shape of shadows. It looks very interesting. Uh, we have mutual friends. I don't know how me and Tony have never really come together in any way. Um, we have a lot in common, and uh, this should turn into a really beautiful conversation. You know, Lord willing, um, I just look forward to it. So I'll quit babbling and let's go ahead and spring Tony on and dig into the shape of shadows. Bo, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, brother. How's it going? Uh, good, man. I'm glad you brought me on. I'm, this film was just, uh, it was wild. It's been a long time coming. I, we, we shot it last I think it was last June, June of 2022, and we're now in the fall. I think it's officially fall uh, yeah. of 2023, and we're finally dropping it. But it was worth the wait, I think. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I got to see the little uh, behind the scenes. I got to see the the first look, kind of, kind of uh, preview there. Got to watch it. I loved it. Um, you didn't really hold back on like when you watch stuff about Skinwalker Ranch. I get frustrated because. I don't see anything happening. You know, I'll just be honest. Most most of the docs, it's like they talk about that wolf. Okay, great. But your show actually gets in there, man. Like you, you capture stuff, um, you document things. It, it was way more than I had anticipated. I'll be honest. You know, I I loved your first doc, but this one was like next level. I I was super impressed, man. Well, I mean, we we just put ourselves in the environment to see what happens. So, uh. You know, there's the aspect that people are used to where it's like commercial TV and they you you get you know what you're getting. You're getting 
something that's highly produced. Uh, and I mean that literally it's produced, it's not like organic. So, I mean, even reality TV is really not that reality. Uh, it's a lot of it's planned and contrived. And I just, um, when we started doing all this stuff, I wanted to kind of go a different route and really kind of, um, let the, the environment unfold around us when it comes to these videos. And so that's what we kind of pursued when it came to this film. We just wanted to put ourselves in the environment to see what happens. And uh, that's kind of the the uh, the philosophy that we had when we started the the whole thing. Expedition Dogman was our first film. Uh, I, I didn't know what we were getting involved in as far as like I knew the storyline. But, you know, going down there, I, like I knew Ward, uh, who's the cameraman for both films, I knew he was professional, but it was my first time working with anybody that's a professional anything, you know, like right. I was just like, I, I don't know what to expect. And then there's just, just the crew of guys that I assembled. I thought that it was, this was going to be like a YouTube video. You know, I, I thought we were going to go down to Kentucky. We were going to hunt the dog, man, and then uh, put it on YouTube. And, you know, you know, a lot of action vlog kind of thing. Like I'm holding the camera up and like, hey, guys, we're out here in the Daniel Boone National Forest doing our thing turn off the camera and and keep walking or something, you know? Uh, but it became very apparent to me that that's not what we, we were in store for. And when we saw the final product, I was like, man, this is really, really good. And uh, fortunately I've had a lot of good people come alongside of me over the years and that know better than I do. And I, I'm the kind of person that just because, you know, my name is the company doesn't mean I know all. And I very much look at it as a team effort. So when like my my friend my now friend but also a co-worker uh joseph granda he works on these films he's the producer he's the head of film and streaming development at merkel media when he comes alongside me and suggests something i i take it to heart and so when we put it on youtube and he he um he comes alongside and he's like hey uh, how long has it been up there i'm like oh about a month month and a half and he's like, how many views do you have? I'm like, almost 200,000. And he's like, uh, you should probably take that off of YouTube. Do you do you feel like making your investment back? I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, you're not going to do it on YouTube. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I I learned real quick what it meant to uh, actually try to do things on a professional level when he came alongside. And he, was, uh, he wasn't there for Expedition Dogman, but he was there for um, uh, The Shape of Shadows. And so we we go out there and I'm on my way out there, but Joseph's already there as a producer. He shows up at least a day early. He's going around collecting people's numbers, finding out who's willing to talk, who's not willing to talk, getting people to sign paperwork so they don't say, hey, I didn't say you could put me on a documentary. It's on the paperwork. You signed it. Uh, you remember, we gave you some ice cream to, <laughs> to get you to sign it. Um, but no, he he's just been fantastic with that. And so it allows us to just kind of do what we do. And that's a huge part is that like, you know, it's easy to, um, it's easy to fall in the trap of making, making yourself feel, or people feel like this is going to be easy. Uh, but it, it's just, there's so much moving components to this stuff, whether it's this during the shoot before the shoot prepping for it, or definitely post shoot. I mean, I'm learning that for sure. I mean, you shoot something, you spend a week shooting it and it takes a while for it to even get out because it's just so much work, but it having Joseph has really allowed me ward and all the other guys to just really kind of uh, sit in the, the environment, let it unfold around us and to see what happens. And that may not be the best winning recipe at the end of the day, because like I said, I mean, you got TV 
that actually will um they, they, it, it tv is is tv it, it, it's done with an intentional purpose i always use this example because he told me it and i think he even said it on my show so i think it's safe to say publicly but um the bobo from finding bigfoot he was uh they were shooting a, a, an episode in pennsylvania and they were on a boat it was a freshwater lake and they saw what looked like a sea serpent it was absolutely huge what what it was i don't know he doesn't know uh i think cliff even saw it in fact yeah cliff did see it because cliff confirmed that to me when we were speaking at the uh, smoky mountain bigfoot conference that he was there um but they saw this sea serpent and he tells me this story i'm sitting in, in the driveway at my house in pennsylvania before we moved and you know in the bobo fashion yeah man let me tell you this and he tells me this whole story and i'm like dude why didn't that make the TV show? And he's like, because it's finding Bigfoot, not finding sea serpents. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to avoid when it comes to the the filmmaking. Like, listen, the, the, the these films are based off of my show and we talk about anything and everything on the show. And so if we're out there at, at, at Space Wolf Research looking for skinwalkers and uh, I don't know, a, a giant centipede comes walking up the hill at us we're gonna film it and we're gonna we're, right. we're, we're gonna put that out there we're like guess what guys we came out here looking for for shapeshifters and uh look at this giant centipede you know? bonus <laughs> yeah yeah so uh we just kind of let it happen and we document the journey and um you know the first time we and this is how i know we kind of are onto something because we we documented the first journey in kentucky and we had things happen to us but not a lot of it was was caught on camera or was even able to be caught on camera. So really we had a film where it was a bunch of guys documenting the journey of hunting this monster, talking about the things that happened to him along the way. And, 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 but we did it in a professional manner that allowed people to actually consume the story and be pulled in by it. And I was like, man, if we can do that with expedition dog, man, what happens if we actually start catching stuff on film? And that's what happened at at Space Wolf Research. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it because even you know, you're going out there, and every time I go on a shoot, I feel the same way. I'm like, man, what if something happens, or what if nothing happens? You know, it's just like, gosh, I, I just, uh, like you know, because you're you're investing everybody's time and money, and and there's 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 it's a business. There's things on the line, and um. You just in your gut, you're like, man, if nothing happens, what if it's like completely boring? Like right. we've invested the money in this trip, so we got to put something out. And it's just like you get nervous about that. But with the Shape of Shadows, things happen. With with uh, the second or the third film we shot out in Washington that hasn't been released yet. That's We don't even know what it's going to be called yet. We're calling it Project X when we talk about it just because we don't know what we're going to call it. Ain't uh, Wes in that one? Yeah, yeah, we we okay. went out to uh, Ground Zero is what I'm calling it, uh, where Wes had his Bigfoot encounter or multiple big, Bigfoot encounters in one night. Yeah, man. Uh, very dramatic story. And um, he and we go out there, and again, my, in my gut, I'm feeling like, oh man, what if, what if nothing happens, you know? And I, I'm we're I'm coming into Portland on the plane, and I'm sitting next to this like professor science guy the whole way, and he early on in the flight from uh, from uh, where was I coming from? Charlotte. So across the country, six hour flight or whatever it was, uh, he early on says, oh, so are you on business? And I said, yeah, I'm on business. And he's like, what, what kind of business do you do? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, here we go. And I told him I'm a document documentary filmmaker. And he's like, oh, OK, that's fantastic and stuff. And he starts talking about his science stuff and his professor stuff. And he's like, what kind of documentaries are you doing? I was like, oh, you had to ask that question. <laughs> I said, actually, we're going to hunt Bigfoot. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like. Oh, 
okay. You know, it's like not interested. And then um, he talked to, he tried doing small talk with me and and I just, I, I'm the kind of person like, well, I, I'm a one trick pony. I got what I talk about. And so if you're going to ask me questions I'm just going to answer the way I would answer anybody. Yep. And so our conversations didn't go very far. And then um, we're coming in for a landing in the Portland area. Leave it, leave it open. Uh, we're coming in for a landing in the Portland area and um, we're passing, we're flying by Mount Hood. And uh, I don't know if he was trying to make up for lack of talk for six hours, but he he taps me on my shoulder and he points out Mount Hood. And he's like, that's Mount Hood because he's from that area. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, isn't it beautiful? I'm like, oh, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I'm actually going to be going there tonight. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah, there's this lady who saw this big foot and kind of bent over backwards and walked up the mountainside uh, backwards with its face looking at her. And he's just like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I'm never going to see this guy again. I don't freaking care, you know? Yeah, get um, weird. Yeah, so that that was a fun journey and we actually did have a lot of a lot of crazy stuff happen on that trip. We actually came across a missing person case that we're actually still investigating, uh but it has a lot of missing 411 vibes on it. Uh so, you know, it, it, so far uh we are having things happen and I I'm, I'm thinking it's because we give ourselves an entire week to put ourselves in an environment that has known activity. You know, I think that's the main thing. Like I'm not just going down to my street corner and sitting on the side of the road, hoping that, you know, Bigfoot bites my leg off in the middle of town. Like we're going out into, into areas that people talk about things happening. And uh, when you put yourself there for, you know, a week period of time, you put the odds in your favor, I guess. Um, but anyways, uh, See, this is what happens when I just start talking. This is ADHD. It. it goes all over the place. So uh, I can tell you my kids' middle names next, if you'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, back to uh, The Shape of Shadows. Um, so what happened there was, I think it was episode 299. Uh, I had a guy named Ryan Burns on the show. And yep. he actually uh, owns Space Wolf Research. And what happened with him is he was out in the utah area i'm going to summarize it's better for him to tell his own story because i wasn't there um but he was out in utah and he sees this like elderly person with almost like a a blanket over their head or something uh walking down the road and he's in his truck and he's like oh let me pull over and see if they're, they're okay and this is in the skinwalker ranch area the uinta basin and so he pulls over and he starts uh he asks hey are you okay do you need a ride and they get in the truck and they look at him, and then the next thing he knows, he's hanging out of his truck in park. Uh, the person's gone, and he's just like catatonic. The police show up. The native, uh, the, the uh, reservation police show up, and he tells them what happened. And they're like, "You got nabbed by a skinwalker." And he's like, "What the heck is a skinwalker?" And uh, he starts researching it, and he gets so enticed by it that um, he saw that this property was for sale that borders against Skinwalker Ranch, and he's like, "I gotta buy that." And wow. so, you know, he, he convinced, I don't know how he did it, but he convinced his wife to let him buy this. Uh, I think it was 10 acres at the time. He's added to it a couple of times. I think he's, it's over 20 acres now that he has, because he's okay. added, he's added to it since we left. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it's been, uh, it, it was, it was a pretty wild journey for him how he got started on this. And he hired, now he, he lives out of state. He doesn't live up there. Uh, I don't even know what he does for a living. I think it's something to do with real estate. It doesn't matter. Um, he he hires a, a, a caretaker for the property to take care of it and everything. And he goes through caretakers like crazy. I would like, imagine. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, they're like, he's like, hey, listen, uh, portals pop up. 
dog man walks through portals. Sometimes Bigfoot is riding the dog man and a UFO shooting lasers down at them. And <laughs> you know, and, and the kid is like, okay. And then all of a sudden three dog men step over the fence in the, on the, the property line. And they're like, I'm out, you know, yeah. and yeah, that, literally, yeah. that literally happened. Uh, I mean, not the UFO part of this, that was sarcasm, but uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, but, um, so, uh, what happened with, I think it was his first caretaker, one of his first caretakers. Uh, they had a friend over in at the house on the property and uh, basically three dogmen show up to the border of the property. They step over the fence and uh, he, he opens fire on them and it, it did nothing to him. Absolutely nothing. And they, 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 they were out, but then it gave Ryan the idea of, Hey, you know what? Let me think about not, um, allowing people to shoot at these things let's create yeah. a safe haven and so uh he told me that i wasn't allowed to have guns out there so we abide by the rules and so we went into uh skinwalker dogman bigfoot portal ufo haven and because uh, his whole idea was he was trying to create an environment for these things to exist on his property without any repercussions so that he could study it and uh and we agreed to go out there so uh, we went out there underneath those conditions, and that's kind of like the story of how the property came into being. Uh, a week before we go out, though, uh, he calls me and tells me that uh, they, they there's a like a twenty foot no, it's like a forty foot container on the property he was using, I guess for storage or whatever, and it's sitting next to a shed. And he's like, "Hey, I just want to let you know the container that we have on the property lifted up, rotated, and moved down the property, and we have no idea how." And I was like no idea bro and he's yeah. like no idea and so we go out there and joseph starts calling like uh heavy machinery operating companies that, that you know set, rent out machinery and none of them rented out anything recently that could do that let alone for that area and um the only way onto the property is through the caretaker fence uh at the, the little driveway there and, you know, uh, Bo, I know, you know, but for your audience, I, I, I used to be a, a tractor trailer driver before I was running Merkle Media. And um, on scene, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, how would I get this heavy machinery in here? Because you're not just going to drive it there. You're right. not just going to, you know, take it and put it in the back of your, your, your pickup truck. This is something that like a tractor trailer needs to bring. And so if I was going to take my truck on that property, any any driver worth anything would wouldn't pull into that property they would back in uh you always want to have that that easy way out and it's actually easier to back into properties that have narrow entrances than it is to pull in because you you misjudge the pull in part but the back end part if you lead with the trailer it's a lot easier to kind of get your nose where you're at in uh, it's easier to push it from behind essentially so um anyways that's your cdl course today uh <laughs> so uh if I was backing it in, though, it, I wouldn't do it in one shot. It was a very narrow gate, and I would have had to wiggle it in, which means pulling forward, backing up, pulling forward, backing up, readjusting. Right. You're hearing the air brakes go. You're hearing the, the truck pop the air brakes to get out and look at the back of the truck to see where you are actually located because you're not just going to rely on the mirrors. You're going to get in and out. It would have taken a while, and the caretaker would have heard it. The caretaker would have known, and the caretaker's like, I didn't hear anybody come on. This thing just moved on its own. Wow. And uh, so that kicked off the whole week, which was amazing because we weren't even there. And it was just like popping. Um, Joseph gets out there early with Christian and uh, Christian and Joseph were setting things up and they they set up a, a set of binoculars. And these binoculars 
were overshooting the valley off the property in the direction of Skinwalker Ranch. And um, we had, well, they had, I, I wasn't there yet. We were driving out there. Um, Christian just had put up his iPhone to the binoculars to film what was just, you know, just kind of get footage, I guess. I don't know for his phone. He wasn't trying to make footage with his iPhone for the film, but it happened to be just that because right. just as he put his phone up to the binoculars, Joseph said he saw with his naked eye something very large and white drop down from the sky vertically. It shoot across horizontally and then shoot straight up. And uh, just as Christian put up his phone recording, he caught it shooting directly across the frame. And yeah. it, it was it was a white object. Uh, if, when you look at it with the trees around it, it doesn't look much smaller than the trees. Uh, it, 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 it's pretty large. And so we don't know exactly what it is. And, and I could, my, my logical part of my brain would want to say like, okay, well maybe it was a bird flying really fast or something. But the problem with that is Joseph's account. Joseph saw it drop straight down, shoot straight across and then shoot straight up. Right. That's not a bird, you know? Uh, and so that, that was before we got there. Uh, I would say that when I got a phone call driving through Nebraska or whatever state we were in from Joseph telling us that he caught that, they caught that on footage. I breathed really easy. I was like, Oh my God, it's going to be a good one. Something on video, you know, <laughs> I was like, so if nothing else happens the rest of the week, we can build a storyline around this UFO. We caught on video on broad daylight. And if nothing else happens, all of a sudden that, happened the last day you know we're walking through this whole film and like in our last day we caught a ufo right uh, but didn't have to do that we we um we had gotten out there we were setting up and we just kind of toured around the property and uh it, it was just a, a good time talking hanging out during the day uh catching up with each other meeting joseph for the first time i mean i talked to him plenty of times before that but never in person and uh, we were just kind of getting familiar with each other and nighttime comes and we have a fire going and, you know, we're just, we're getting ready to exist in the environment. That's our philosophy. That's how we do things. I mean, we, we, we try to do experimental stuff, but we're not, we're not real uh, tech savvy. Let's just put it that way. I mean, we're, we're not really, let's put it this way. Like we don't know what we're messing with and we're very hesitant to uh, do something that could be crossing a line that we're not supposed to be crossing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we we uh, we just want to play it safe, and so we, we do things, and you know I think we're gonna push boundaries that you know even just being out there, people to reprimand us, they're like you shouldn't even be bothering messing with this stuff. Ah. Uh, everybody's got their calling in life. I feel like this is mine. So there you go. Uh, but uh, we're out there. We're kind of hanging around the fire, and I'm hoping things. You know, we can see a UFO, a UFO in the sky that night or something. And before we start really kind of settling into the whole existing in the moment, sky watching, getting the night camera vision out, our night vision cameras out, um, I remembered that I had game trail cams and I wanted to set them up, but it was dark out and I didn't want to go by myself. And uh, after kind of pulling straws, it came down to Ward and, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Ward, hold me. And he well, held he, my hand and he's a jujitsu guy anyway. So he, yeah. you know. <laughs> listen, there, there's not a whole lot of guys that I would prefer over Ward, you know? <laughs> um, so 
he and I go down this hill into the darkness. I mean, I'm talking, it's pitch black out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, maybe not too pitch black. I mean, there, I think there was moonlight, but uh, it was dark. And we go down across this creek, down around this path, down into the forest or whatever it was in the desert. I don't know what you call these tree areas in the desert. Um, but I find a spot that overlooked an area that we had seen other stuff that day. Because earlier in the day, we found a trackway that seemed to transition from uh, human to horse. Now, remember, we're out there looking for skinwalkers, shapeshifters. Yeah. And my first reaction to it was somebody was walking with their horse back here. The more I looked at it and the more Joel showed me, because Joel, I believe, is the one that found it first. It became apparent that that's not what we're dealing with, because what happened is the, the ground must have been extremely saturated at one point where a person could be standing and their foot just sinks right into the mud. And that's what we see. We see these human footprints that are inches deep in the mud. It wasn't just very shallow. It was inches, like three, four inches deep. And you see the feet turn sideways like they're they're standing uh, parallel with the with the trail. And then they turn like they're going to walk down this, this little hill off trail and it's human. And then it all of a sudden the human trail is gone and in its place is hooves like a horse. And um, my logical brain, I was trying to be like, OK, so this was probably somebody with a horse that they hopped on their horse and they rode away. And that's why the the human prints disappear. But that quickly got erased when I realized that if that's the case, if I'm seeing human footprints, I should be seeing horse footprints horse. near the, the human footprints. <laughs> yeah. And and so I was like, OK, so um, this is interesting. And we had uh, some natives uh, showing us around the whole week, two different two, two different guys, uh, Johnny and Bo. And we brought them out separately to investigate it with us, to see it for themselves. And both of them separately confirmed that they believe it was a shapeshifter, a skinwalker. And so um, that's why I wanted to have that game trail cam kind of shooting in that direction. Because I was like, well, if it was there once, maybe it's going to be there again. We can catch it on camera, even if it's just a person. Like if we could just see a person walking in that same path, we can be like, maybe that's the person that transformed, you know? Um, again, we're trying to document the experience of existing in the environment. Um, so I, I we cross this this bridge with a creek and we find a nice little tree and I am standing there and I'm looking at the tree and I'm trying to uh, gauge, you know, where I want to set the camera up on the tree, but I want to get it higher. So I'm going to have to climb the tree. And because I'm going to have to climb the tree, I just kind of look over my shoulder because Ward's there to kind of watch my back. And Ward is Mr. Security guy. Like, I mean, that's that's his mindset. And so I, there's no doubt in my mind, Ward is right there to take care of me. But, you know, I just want to check. And I look sure. around, I'm like, Ward, you good, right? And I look and he's gone. I'm like, Ward. And I see probably about, I don't know, 20, 30 feet away. Uh, Ward is standing with his back towards me. Now he has a hoodie on. So his hands are in his pockets of his hoodie. So I'm seeing his back. His hands are in his hoodie pocket and his head's down looking at the ground talk about eerie right like yeah man like, is, he, is he like in a trance or something ward did ward become like <laughs> susceptible to something because if ward became susceptible to something we were all doomed you know yeah. uh -oh. <laughs> like ward like i look to ward i'm like hey ward what's the hebrew word of this verse in the bible and he's like oh yeah let me just pull that out of my rolodex like i got that you know yeah but and, he's something I need to stop. oh i love him so 
he he comes he, he he's standing there and I, and I look down at the ground then to see what he's looking at and I see a skull like a like a cow skull and I'm like oh dead cow you know and I said to him is that what I think it is and he just goes yep and that's how he said it he's like yep like 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 he thought I saw what he saw in the moment and I didn't All and right. so I was like oh cool we found a skull. We're going to carry that up. Show the guys, Hey, look what we found, you know, document the experience. Um, well, I, I hung the camera and I walk over to ward and I obviously become, it becomes very apparent to me that that's not what he's looking at entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not looking at a cow skull. He's looking at many bones in a circle laid out to be a ritual circle. Uh, and there was a, a bowl in the middle with like, um, I don't know, like tobacco. There was some change, like they were offering things. I don't know what, I, I don't know what this stuff is. I don't right. know. It looked creepy. And, uh, and so I, I'm like, oh shoot. So he takes his phone out and, uh, it took a good night picture of it. And so you could see it really clear, you know, the low light c- cameras on these yeah. phones are freaking awesome now. Uh, it, it, which by the way, I think that's amazing, but and this is totally off subject, but I find it fascinating that you can be out in pitch black and all you need is just a little bit of moonlight, a little bit of starlight, any kind of light whatsoever. And these cameras on your phones can just, if you hold still long enough and let it do its thing, whatever it's doing, it takes amazing night vision pictures. I'm just like, this is super cool for what we do. So that's what he did. And we go up to the camp and we, uh, we start talking to the guys and we start sharing with them, you know, what we what we found and um everybody's kind of getting the creeps and Bo was there and he he had the creeps uh and i believe it was christian that was holding no it wasn't christian it was somebody else somebody was holding ward's phone looking at the the, the pictures that we took and ju- and this is on camera because by the by now ward is documenting and filming everybody looking at the pictures that we took um and I believe it was Christian at the, this moment that said, look in the sky, look at, or look at the Mesa or something like that. And across the Valley, there was a light shooting up into the sky. And this is like a giant spotlight. And it, it, it's like, um, it, you know how, like when like car dealerships have like, uh, like they just opened up a brand new car dealership. And they got those spotlights that swing around mm-hmm. the sky and you see it for miles. You're like, and you, and when you're kids, you're like, Oh, I wonder where that goes. And it's like, trying to look for gold at the end of a rainbow. You're like, I just want to go. And your mom and dad are like, no, we got to go home and go to bed. And it's like, oh, man, I just want to see where the light comes from. Well, that's what this was like. Only it wasn't as strong of a beam, but it was much wider. Uh, from my perspective, it probably was whatever was shooting this off from ground level was probably about 30, 40, 50 feet wide. I mean, it was very wow. wide. It wasn't a spotlight. This was something giving off a massive amount of light from a very wide perspective that we were able to see it from where we were. And yeah, I, I didn't realize that maybe, maybe I missed that, that detail, but I didn't realize it, the the size of that. So I told the guys that were editing, I said, don't, don't tell them everything. Cause I gotta be able to talk about stuff on interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, that but, worked. So, so, um, so yeah, I mean that that was the first thing that we saw, and we got a picture of that. That's in the film, uh, and right when we were looking at that, that's when the sky lit up, and and Joel is just going bonkers. Like Joel's like, look at the look at the lights, and they're, they're changing colors, they're going up and down, side to side, all over the place, and it was like a, probably an hour or two of just crazy light experiences in the sky, and that's the hardest thing that I imagine it is to edit these films, which I don't edit them at all, which is 
good for everybody. Um, but you have so much footage. How do you decide what goes, what stays? You know, like th there's, there were things that were cut that, you know, I probably been like, how can we squeak this in there? But it just doesn't fit the vibe and the, the, the whole narrative, yep. you know? And so yep. it, it's a difficult thing. That's what takes so long. But, um, so that all starts happening and popping off that night then. And we, we do wonder, like, did finding that circle, that ritual circle, uh, kick off things, you know, like what was it, what did it, was it a trigger? And at least that's how I view it. I mean, like maybe not view it, view it, but like, that's how I, what I consider. I'm like, is, was it something that got triggered? Did right. we trigger something? Um, and so that whole night goes on and uh, we have crazy experiences and we, we go to sleep or we, we set up our tents or not our tents. One tent is a 12 man tent that I got. So we could all sleep together. So we, nobody was lonely. Nobody was scared. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we set up our 12 foot man tent uh, or 12, yeah, 12 foot man, 12 man. No, Nephilim tent. you got it. That's what it was. Basically we had a, a, a Nephilim tent that could fit one Nephilim giant or yep. 12 human men. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we set it up right next to the, uh, the container that was there that moved and we're like, well, let's see if, if we're here in the morning, if it squishes us, you know, right. uh, thankfully it didn't. And, but what's interesting about that container is we weren't expecting this, but at some point during the week, we, uh, we got to meet, um, um, I'm blanking on his names now. And his name is uh, James. Mm, I feel bad, but, uh, it, James came out, uh, mm -hmm. and, he he was doing studies on the land and he was trying to uh um measure the magnetic anomalies under the ground yeah and he's been doing this for a long time and uh james keenan there it is uh and so he comes out and kind of tells us you know the information that he's collected and that's in the documentary and 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 i'm not even going to go into it because i really couldn't regurgitate it like he like it was one of those situations where i was standing there and he's talking and i'm just like I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> cool cool yeah. information, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like nodding my head. I'm scrunching my brow. I'm like, mm, yeah, this is really good stuff, man. Thank you. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, man. You're too smart for me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, so he, he, uh, he's out here telling us all about this magnetic anomaly, which is the first time we're hearing about it. And, it, it kind of started, started making sense. Then what happened with the container possibly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. He said that the, some of the, the strongest readings is where that container was sitting. And James Keenan is actually on the Skinwalker Ranch show. I think season five, I think it is. They brought him in to measure magnetic anomalies on the ranch and he found weird stuff. And it happens to line up directly with this property that we were on. Uh, it's like a straight line of these weird anomalies. And something and, else weird about that that container, and I hope I'm not giving anything away. No. There's no drag marks. Mm -mm. where this thing's rotated like 45 degrees or 90 de 90 degrees um there's no there's no drag marks the, the grass isn't pulled up it's just lifted rotated and sat back down right yeah that that's what blew my mind yeah so that, like, okay you know, there's gotta be rocks there's gotta be something you know there's no track no and so it had to be lifted, right? And but the, the interesting thing is there was like two or three rocks that were kind of big and they did have scrape marks just on the top, but not enough for them to move. And these rocks aren't giant boulders. They were like they fit in the palm of my hand, you know? Right. And, um 
they, they wasn't, they weren't hit enough to move just enough to scrape the top. And so, you know, it was lifted off the ground, but not too high. It's only about three or four inches, but it was, it, so it levitated two to three inches off the ground, maybe four inches off the ground. It levitated, shifts down maybe about 15, 20 feet and turns a 90 degree angle and then gets dropped. So yeah, that's wild. So, I mean, like if it, it was, if it was a machinery, you would lift that bad boy up higher, really. And, and oh, yeah. swing it out away from the shed because you don't want to damage the shed, right? Uh, unless, you know, unless you're trying to damage the shed, you know, if you're a nefarious person doing silly stuff, but uh, we don't believe that's the case. Uh, but what happened was this thing lifted up, turned, moved down, and when it dropped, it actually dropped into the shed. And I'm not sure if that actually made the film or not, but oh. the shed was damaged. It was it was bent in on the roof and um, it, it definitely made contact with the shed. And uh, so it wasn't done very carefully, but at the same time, it was in the sense that it, it just levitated just a little bit. So that tells you that it probably was some kind of anomaly. Maybe the magnetic field kind of pushed it up or whatever. I don't know. Former right. truck travel turn podcaster filmmaker. I don't know much about <laughs> that. Um, but uh, where was I going here? Like, we were, we, you took me down that road, but what was Sorry. that? Road? I, I'm, I'm horrible at that. I, no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it was good information to share. And I, I forgot to share that before. Uh, but so, all right, let's just go back to the night. Uh, we, <laughs> oh, we were camping next to the container and all yeah. that. Stuff. Yeah. So um, we, we, we had James come out and he was doing the measurements on the ground. Uh, but I, I'll actually, you know, what? I'll get to, I'll get to the ground part. There's another ground part later that I'll get to, but I want to um, save that for a little bit later because it happened after we left. Um, so we were camping next to the, the, the container the, the whole week, hoping to get squashed and nothing happened. Uh, we go through the week, we do investigations. We, we go around the area. Uh, there was neighbors across the street that, that we had a chance to talk with. And they talked about seeing dogs, like weird looking dogs walking through the property we were on. They've had things happen in their house. And it becomes apparent that this is not something that, is just a, a Sherman ranch skinwalker ranch thing. This is something that goes deep throughout the whole area. Maybe I should have said this in the beginning, but the, the little bit of a history here is the, the, the Shermans uh, bought this ranch back in the nineties, mid nineties. I always forget the, the year. I think it was 96. They bought this ranch and they were the first white people to own this property. Hmm. And it's, it's part of a reservation. And so you're not supposed to sell the property of the reservation off to the white people. Like they, 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 you right. have very few acreage left that you're yeah. allowed to have. And then, you know, uh, but they, uh, they, they bought it and then um, they had no idea what happened in that area though. And then all of a sudden this stuff starts happening on their property and they start making a big deal about it. And so all these other people who are from the area start looking at the property and they're like, wow, what's up with this property, this ranch? And what's really cool is that our week out there, I believe we showed the world that it's not just the ranch. It's right. the entire area. And people across the street from Space Wolf Research that live in their own home, they have experiences. People on Space Wolf Research have experiences. People on the other side of the Mesa have experiences. It's all over the place. It's just that it was popularized because the Shermans made a big deal about it. And the natives are like, yeah, that happens all the time. We just don't talk about it, idiot. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, they uh, they sell it off to Bigelow. Bigelow sells it to uh, the current owner. 
and uh that's how that's how we got here but the fact is that the whole area has this this activity and we go through the week and we're visiting the whole area we we saw some pretty cool stuff man it really was it was just a really cool week uh and you talk to some of the, the natives out there like we went to this one coffee shop i think every morning and uh, the, I think the first morning, the guys were asking them like, hey, so what do you think about Skinwalker Ranch? And they're just like, eh, somebody else, bro, not me, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but our last night there, we were hoping to have like a grand finale. And uh, we were hoping that, you know, it would be like that first night. And we, we were like, it's going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, we really didn't get to the nighttime. I mean, we did technically, but everything kind of went haywire beforehand. Um, and this kind of goes to that that lore and legend as well, uh, which is the whole idea of the governmental aspect, the men in black, these these other shadow entities that that don't want you know to be known that they're there, but they're there watching over things. I'm not talking about paranormal entities. I'm talking about like people. Um, yep. So. I don't remember where we're coming from. Maybe we were coming from Walmart or something. I have no idea. It was dark out and it was our last night and we were excited about having our last night on space wolf research. And, um, we were driving down these dirt roads now. I mean, to get to space wolf research, every road is like barely paved. I mean, they're dirt roads, uh, not well-maintained and it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's the desert. Like there's nothing around. I'm driving back to the, to, to base camp. And we turn into that that gate I was talking about earlier, past the caretaker's house. And just as we got past the caretaker's house, Joel's in the back seat, and he goes, "Tony, stop the car." I'm like, mm, "Stop the car, okay." He gets out. I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm thinking. It's Joel. I mean, Joel. Joel's a guy. Like Joel will just do his own thing, man. Like, and that's what I love about him. Like, he's he's just his own spirit. Yeah. And, um, he gets out, and he doesn't he doesn't uh, do anything other than stand there facing the road that we just turned off of with his hand on top of my my forerunner just staring and then for a few seconds and he gets back in i'm like you all right man and he's like yeah uh in the in the joel way like joel's not hype he's just like yeah man like he's just real cool like like he's like not a big deal but it is a big deal uh he's like when we were driving down the road i saw this car turn on its lights and pull out behind us from some dirt road and I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And when we pulled into the the gate here, I was watching it and just stopped behind the gate and just stared at us as we drove down further. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, boys, our wives are halfway across the country. Let's go, cowboy up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I turned that thing around. I flew out the gate and I'm flying down this road trying to chase after this. I always say it's a truck. I don't know why I always think it's a truck, but it, I, let's just say it was a truck. Maybe Joel told me it was a truck. I don't remember. Um, there's a lot of trucks out there. That's probably why. But uh, I, I'm chasing after this truck and I got five guys in a forerunner. Now, I don't know about other forerunners, but I was not impressed with that forerunner. I, I had just gotten it uh, shortly after I moved to Tennessee. Um, and it's, it's already gone. I got rid of it because my wife didn't, my wife hated it. She didn't feel comfortable driving it. Um, but one thing I didn't like about it is it didn't have any get up. And even Ward said so, like when Ward was driving it out to Utah, we were all splitting shifts. Like, he's like, yeah, this thing doesn't seem like it has a lot of pick me up. And I was just like, ah, after this experience, I was like, I need the turbo bro. And so like, I was trying to keep up, but it just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. This guy just flew off. And these are dirt roads and you're not trying, you're not familiar with this. You're not trying to drive off the road or anything like that. Right. And so um, we, uh, during this pursuit though, 
two other vehicles pulled out behind us and they were keeping up with us. And I was probably going about 70 miles an hour and they, they were keeping right on our tail. And so we're like, okay, so are we being surrounded? What? So we hit the straightaway and we see the, the vehicle that we were going after turn, I believe, right. And uh, we finally get up to the main road that they turned onto. And we're just kind of sitting there in that process. One of the vehicles had already turned off that was behind us, but there was still one behind us. And um, when we came to the stop sign, the vehicle goes to pass us. And I, if I, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong on this, but uh, it, it, to me, in my memory, it looked like a, a side-by-side, like somebody was on a side-by-side. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like they were, you know, um, you know, uh, just, in, in, in out driving to the store or anything right. so we were like well what do we do now guys uh i guess we'll go back and stargaze so we go back and we're like man that was crazy you know don't Chase tell thing. my wife you know like <laughs> we're all like we're all making a blood pack that we <laughs> that our wives aren't going to know about this till the film drops and uh especially the guys wives because they're they're they're, they're gonna be like you're never going with merkel again you know he's right. a bad on you you were a nice humble wholesome man until you met that merkel guy and, uh, <laughs> and so we're trying to keep that from uh getting out but uh we, we're on the way back and joseph calls us now joseph uh, being the producer he sometimes will stay behind i mean he's part of the crew uh and that's one of the, th the things that we try to generate with what we do is we're trying to create an atmosphere where Everybody that's there is liable to be filmed. You know, it's just like, it, it's, it, it's not like, oh, you're a cameraman. You don't get filmed. Oh, you're the producer. You stay in the truck. Right. With what we're doing, everybody's involved. Yep. And so Joseph stays back at camp that night because he was, because I, I think we were just going to Walmart or something like that. Uh, and he was work, taking the opportunity to work on the storyline of what has unfolded that week so far and just start organizing his thoughts and everything. And, uh, he said that he saw us pull in and then leave. And he's like, I don't know where those guys are going. And then he's looking and he said, after we left, another vehicle came down the road, turned into the gate, drove by the caretaker's house. It was like a sedan. And they started coming towards Joseph and into our camp. And Joseph uh, takes out his flashlight, turns on like the strobe uh, feature on it and flashes the light on them. As soon as he does that, they stop, they turn around and they leave. And so we don't know what was going on, but it seems to me just looking back on it, it probably is a case where whoever we chased after probably thought it was their lucky day that we chased after them. And they're like, yo, they're chasing me. Get somebody to go into their camp now, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're going to Yeah. I don't know if they're, what they're going to do. Are you going to do tear it up? Or are you going to, you know, pretend to be a skinwalker? Are you skinwalkers? Are you trying to steal our computers and our drives with the footage? I don't know what they were doing, right? But they didn't make it, thankfully, because Joseph was there. Uh, and when we get back, he's telling us about it. And uh, I believe it was Christian. I'm not sure. Somebody thought that they saw a shadow run down the hill on the property into the tree line. And so we were just on edge the whole night. Yeah, and uh, we didn't see anybody after that, but we were on edge. And uh, we were just, we weren't looking up. We were looking down. And uh, so that night, last night, even though it had action, it wasn't the kind of action we were hoping for and gunning for. Um, and so it was kind of put a damper on things. But uh, that was our our trip to Space Wolf Research. Uh, I, I think that's the fastest I've ever told it. Uh, but <laughs> like it was a very exciting week. And yeah. we did things that I know our wives wouldn't let us do if they were there. Uh, 
it was full of adventure, mystery, uncovering secrets that we still don't understand. Uh, but it definitely deserves another visit, I think, because the property has lots of activity on it to this day. Uh, it's It's been expanded, like I said. He bought more land, so we have more room to, to roam. Uh, but he, he told me that after we left, and this is something that happens on the property, the ground opens up. And I don't know if this is something that is has to do with magnetic anomalies or what, but the ground will open up. And at times you can lower a camera down into the ground at 50 feet wow. and film. And as it goes down, the camera starts to glitch. You pull it, they pull the camera out and you go about your day. You come back the next day and the ground is closed again. Like there was never a crack there. Hmm. And so there's a lot of weird things going on with the ground there, under the ground, in the sky, portals. I mean, Ryan has has on video portals opening up on his property. Uh, he's caught entities on the property walking across it. Um, that 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 container that uh, we slept next to and that shed, that shed at one time had an RV there that somebody was doing research. And in broad daylight, no storm clouds or anything, it's struck by lightning. And they say that they estimate the uh, the lightning bolt to be like 12 inch, or no, was it 12 feet wide? Maybe it's 12 feet wide. I, maybe it's probably 12 feet, 12 feet wide. Um, but it was like a huge lightning bolt that basically fried the RV into like melted molten metal. Yeah. And, um, and they got that on footage. They have, a, they have a picture of that from the security cameras. Uh, and I think we put that in the film too. So like, it's just the property had a lot of history we added to the history and since we left things have happened. So um, it's definitely something that I'd like to pursue again. And I think when we go out there, uh, I think what we're going to wind up doing is uh, taking a more spiritual warfare angle to it. Uh, you know, I, we all come from different theological backgrounds when it comes to our Christian faith, but we're all Christians. Yeah. And um I think it's becoming very apparent to all of us, you know, we're, we're all in the same field, essentially. We're, we're diving into the weird supernatural aspects of our existence. It's becoming very apparent to us with the, the current times that we're living in that uh, we're, we're not only living a supernatural existence in the moment, but there's a supernatural war happening around us at all times. And we know that from scripture, but uh, it's becoming very real. The more we look into these things that um, like, for instance, space wolf research, I really believe that uh, there's some serious spiritual warfare being had there. And um, you you might, if we go back out there, you might see us engaging in that. And I, when I'm saying engage in that, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but there will be a lot of praying, uh, which, yeah. you know, I, I don't ever balk at. So I'm always fine with that stuff. Um, but uh, I, I think that moving forward with our films and what we're doing, I think we're going to uh, consider those angles more than we have in the past. Uh, in the last year or so, I think we've all kind of come to the very similar conclusions that we don't understand it all. Reality is far stranger than what we ever could have imagined. Yeah. We don't have all the answers, but one thing we're all starting to come to the conclusion of is this is real spiritual warfare happening. These it entities is. that people are seeing and encountering they're not just uh, boogeymen that are that that just happen as a figment of people's imaginations or they're stressed out. People are really experiencing this stuff, and there's a lot of 
dark spiritual warfare happening. And I think the remnant is starting to wake up to that and realize that in these times it's spilling over into this realm. And if, if we're not, if we're not, uh, if we're not careful about it, if we're not serious about it, if we don't take this serious, it's just going to pass us by. I think we'll be damaged by it to a certain extent, but we're going to, we're going to be sitting on the sideline and none of the guys that I, I run with want to be on the sideline. We want to be in the game and we want to be active in our faith and we want to be active in pursuing, uh, team Jesus, you know? And so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you, uh, you segue so perfectly into what I wanted to get to. Um, I, I don't want to, all right, we'll get back to shape of shadows in a second. Well, let's, let's stay on what you're on, man. I, I want to stay wherever you want to go. Take no, me wherever you want to go. I want to stay right here because about 18 months ago, I had, uh, dark waters on me and him hit it off. We had private conversations. Um, I had just rededicated my life back to the Lord about two and a half years ago, about a year into this show, you know, and I was talking to him and he's like, Hey man, uh, you say that this, that everything belongs to God, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, make your show an altar for God, make it an altar for God. So I was like, all right. So we talked that up. I do that. I dedicate this show to the Lord naturally as that would happen or supernaturally as that happens my show starts to drift in that direction i'm not controlling this people you know i I have a weekly show people calling with their experiences we talk about whatever's going on it's just kind of progressed like you said the last year or so to where it's almost two three times a month of my shows are talking about demonic attacks spiritual warfare um, principalities uh there's a lot of talk about principalities meanwhile in my personal life i'm digging into you know into the bible i'm teaching at church i get to uh, i get to i'm blessed enough i go to a little non-denominational church i get to teach about once a month um wherever the lord leads me to, to talk about so this whole thing has been like spiritual warfare man um every every le- lesson i have is a different aspect, a different facet of spiritual warfare. Um, and you know, I'm I I got a group of guys here that I, I hang with. We have been getting into little projects and stuff on on the side for the last year or so. Um, Tony, this stuff is really, really real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how else to say that, dude. We went up. Okay, the guys I was with was Shadow Appalachia, right? Um, Richie, Josh, Ward. We went out here to that snake mound. Um, it was all spiritual warfare from the jump, from the go. Uh, we go out there, we uh, read some psalms, sing some songs, uh, anoint the land. We uh, do a ritual to reclaim this land in the name of Jesus. My world got rocked, dude. Um, a few weeks later, things really hit the fan at my house. I'll talk about it on my show. I don't need to rehash all that. But I was woken up to the reality of spiritual warfare, about how tangible and how it crosses that veil into your personal life. 
and I lost family members um, that were very, very dear to me. Not, they didn't die. They just left me. Um, friends, you feel like you're alone. You know, it's, um, you're, you're just torn apart. It, it, it gets you wherever you can. So the more that goes on, the more I'm digging into what's going on here. What is this? What is this principality? Why am I finding curses written in my daughter's bedroom? Why am mm -hmm. I finding things written in Russian? Why am I finding out that she's trying to summon Lilith? Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a big exposure. Uh, uh, revelations come to me. I've, I've learned a lot, dude. And I know you guys are going back to that. You went to Basin. I know I'm going back into these hills. Um, probably in the next week or two, hopefully, if not, then in, in the spring. Um, but these principalities that are in place, these things that have been given dominion, yes, yeah, Psalm 82, God says that they will be struck down. They'll die like men, right? But we have to realize that God put them in place. So how much meddling do we want to do? You know, there's that I've, I've talked to Ward in private conversations about this kind of stuff. Um, because I feel like Ward's getting it from from two different sides here. You know, um, you guys are I, I'm convinced you're in one of these high spiritual places. Uh, you might be in their dom the domain of one of these principalities. I believe we are here and I believe I know who the principality is in Appalachia, in our region. I believe I know. Um, or just have an idea and words in both camps and I, I've I've prayed over Ward I've worried about him I feel like he's getting it from both sides and he's being pulled toward digging into this um, but just there's a just a sense of caution and things gets it gets really real Tony Um just last night, I had something that has it, it's shaken me to my core that went on. Um, like you said, it's not my story, so I don't want to get into it too much. But uh, me and my pastor actually was in a place I never imagined I would be last night, um, helping somebody that was seeking deliverance. The, 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 I don't think there is a veil anymore. I think there's people that just agree to accept what's going on and people that are still trying to deny it. I think that we are in this spiritual battle. Um, we are definitely in the same ball field here, man. Um, the revelations are coming. Things are being shown. Things are being revealed. Please be careful. If you want prayer, shoot me a text. I'll pray with you. Um, but it, it is very real, man. And, we all have chinks in our armor. You know what I mean? And we just got to be careful of, uh, you know, letting the devil get a foothold because he, he's a dirty, the dirty dog, man. And it affected me in, in ways that I did not anticipate. And now everywhere I look, I feel like I've, I've gone about half nuts. Um, my, in my daily life, man, every time I see, Anything going on, like, 
you you get so tuned in to what's going on in the spiritual world that everything's blurred together now you know there's there's so much going on i'm finding sigils at the high school i teach at that kids are writing or somebody's writing they're showing up on the outside of my classroom walls in the staircase leading up to my classroom with arrows pointing towards my room these kids don't have a clue about what's going on in my life but it's all this stuff's popping up everywhere and I think that these are, you know, the tricks, the, the, the enemy only has a couple of tricks. You know, they have fear and they have deception, right? That's about all they have because we've already won. We had the victory. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So they're pretty limited to what they can do. But they're really good with their, their fear and their deception. So that's my soapbox, man. I just want to say I I feel you. I, I'm with you 100% that that the lid's off, you know, things are popping. If you want to go to war, I'll go to war with you, man. Um, but there, there's a whole lot. We could talk about it some sometime down the road, but there's a whole lot that just in the last 30 days or so have been getting revealed to me that I would love, love to unload to somebody. I'm always here to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. I didn't mean to, to bogart no, the whole thing. No, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think that the veil is pretty much gone and this stuff is happening. I think that if we leave it up to, you know, the neutral zone, uh, then we see a lot, we'll see more of what we see now, which is a bunch of people who are defining these things according to uh, mysticism and uh, uh, new age. I mean, new age might be the best uh, option of all of them, Right. But it's still no good. I mean, when you have when you have uh, um, Alistair Crowley, who is uh, or was it Anton? It was Anton LaVey, who uh, is quoted saying that basically it's a long quote. I don't have it memorized, but basically saying that, you know, the the New Age movement has stolen the practices of Satanism. And he's uh, 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 calling upon the Satanic Church to take back what's rightfully theirs. Yeah. And, and so, like, this stuff is, it's real. It's real. And I think that it's going to happen. Uh, it's, well, it, it is happening. It's happening everywhere. Uh, I, you know, I'm down here in Tennessee, and I, I hear it all the time around here. Um, people are, are realizing there's some, some really funky stuff happening. Yeah, right. uh, and when you look at the real, the quote unquote real world issues and problems that we're facing today and stuff, a lot of that can be traced back to spiritual warfare. Absolutely. It, it, it's just, um, so I just, I, I, everybody has their own path in life, right? Um, when I, when I started my journey in this stuff, it wasn't because I wanted to do this. I had zero desire to talk to people about their personal experiences with the paranormal and all that stuff. It's literally something that I was summoned to do by God. And I didn't even try to do it until the person that God told me I was going to work with called me out of the blue. I never talked to him before in my life. And so from the jump on what I do, I know I've been called to do it. And since then, I've followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I have, uh, over the last um, year and a half, maybe two years, but probably like year and a half or so, 
I have uh, been feeling God preparing me for consistent spiritual battles, consistent spiritual warfare, consistently coming across supernatural uh, situations. I feel like God has been preparing me in my heart to be coming across people who are demonically possessed, which I probably have numerous times in my seven years of podcasting. Uh, But uh, also I felt, and I still feel this. In fact, I today feel this more than I, and this is where the Pentecostal comes to me. So me and word probably don't agree a whole lot on this, but uh, (laughs) like more so today than I ever have before. I feel like, God has been showing me that this stuff not only is real, I know it's real. I've been experiencing it through my show for the last seven years, uh, but it's the next step, which is it's now time for him to flex Uh, because we're living in a world where people are accepting the supernatural. Let's just call it paranormal, right? So like people are accepting the fact that it's paranormal. People are giving credence to the idea that the government has alien bodies and they're carving them up or doing whatever they're doing and they're, reverse engineering, foreign technology, and all this stuff. People are becoming more and more accepting to that, right? Um, and then you have the underlying spiritual movement of, uh, you know, the new age, and just down to, just right straight down to satanic practices. Yeah. Um, I just had a guy in my studio. Uh, I probably can't talk about that because he said that I shouldn't, that he didn't want to talk about. Uh, let me just put it this way. I had somebody off air tell me that uh he and he's i'm not going to say what he does because it will give him away but um he's very familiar with certain aspects of the government and he said before he left uh well no not before he left but as, as he was part of this uh government thing yeah. uh, it was common that they would do black masses to prepare for activities that they're about to engage in yeah and he said it was common that people would walk around and you know instead of saying god bless you they say hail satan hail satan that's what they would say to each other yeah and so when when you're when you're dealing with that kind of stuff i believe that god one i believe this is what i believe not not as much as what i you know god telling me or i'm feeling or whatever but I believe God can only sit aside for so long before he just is like, Hey, angels, hold my water bottle. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm about, I'm about to really, you know, like he thinks, he thinks he's got this whole world under his thumb because I've allowed it. And right. I'm about to start showing what's up. And, uh, and I, and I think we're in the middle of that. And not, I don't even want to say in the middle of it. I think we're in the beginning stages of that. Yeah, I think we're in the beginning stages of the remnant. Uh, and I mean that very literally. Uh, I believe that we're in the beginning stages of God working through the remnant and showing his majesty, his glory, his strength to the world. Amen. And giving the world the option to turn to him maybe one last time before it's all done. You yeah, know? Right. And so how did, how does that happen? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but one I believe is through miraculous signs and wonders. And, um, I really believe that that's, that's coming. I think that's going to become as common as people in the government talking about alien bodies being recovered. I think that it's going to be so common that it it, it will be an underlying conversation globally 
that over here in this country, there's this massive revival and people are being healed and over here it's breaking out. And I think Asbury was just the beginning. Oh yeah, man. And I, and I just think that we're, we're about to enter a stage that we have never seen in our lifetimes. Uh, and it's very rare to see where I, I just think God's people is just going to, I, I'm telling you, I, I just, I feel it. The Holy spirit is going to start overflowing abundantly in people that are following him. And he's going to use anybody that is ready and willing to show his power and glory. Um, and, and that, that I'm not saying that that means that everybody's going to be walking around healing everybody else and stuff, but man, the Holy spirit's powerful. And if you just are willing to speak people, you, like he uses people, the, the most unsuspecting people. I mean, look at me, I was a freaking truck driver dork that he turned into a podcaster running a media company where just this weekend I did a live speaking event in Gatlinburg. A lady bought a ticket to come to the show. I don't know where she came from, but she wanted to come out just to say to me that through listening to my paranormal show, she came to Christ. That's what I want. That's and, right. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, we get emails like this from people all over the world. Yeah. Uh, it, it, another couple showed up again. They showed up at my speaking engagement in, uh, in Gatlinburg earlier this year when I was speaking at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference. They showed up and they said that because of my show... It brought them together and their estranged son who didn't want anything to do with them. They had a common thing to talk about. And they started a conversation with their son about my show. And now it, things are starting to mend and, and, and get better because their their son's talking to them now about these kind of things. Uh, and and th though they're they're not perfect, they're they're having a conversation at least. Amen. And they wanted to tell me that. And then they came out this past Saturday to the show, same couple. And they're like, we just want to let you know, we wanted to give you an update. Our son has now come to the Lord. And I'm just oh, like, thank the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And so like, yeah, so is it, is it every time like, is my son going to start walking down the halls of his school and just praying for kids on their head and all the kids are just getting healed. And I mean, praise Hopefully. God, if it happens, praise God, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the real miracle in all of it, man. This is the real miracle in all of it. And this is what I strive for salvation. That's it. Every time it's a miracle, dude, I was a freaking mess. I, I was insane like before we started recording and stuff you said is there anywhere to, we can not go and i said we can go anywhere i wear my scars out loud I, we can talk about my almost failed marriage like i was an insane human being my brother is in the next room he could vouch for me like we, he's had conversations with me when i was trying to get my wife to divorce me like i was crazy the only way that i'm here today claiming christ is through a miracle like my, my, my heart was so hard towards God. I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want anybody talking to me about God. And I found myself at a funeral where my, my wife's uncle, I didn't want to be there. My wife's uncle's a Baptist pastor. He gets up, starts speaking the gospel and I'm getting angry, man. Like my blood pressure is rising. My ears are hot because you're so angry. Your ears actually get hot. Oh yeah. And I was like embarrassed for myself. I was embarrassed for him. I was like, dude, nobody asked you to even stand up and talk about the gospel. Dude, just shut up. Like nobody wants to hear this crap. And like, I was just so angry. And in that moment, the first time in my life, I heard God speak to me. And, and I was at a moment in my life where my, my relationship with my wife was getting a lot better. We, we were, our, our marriage was on the mend. All I wanted to do in my life at that point, all I wanted to do was love my wife and make a lot of money driving truck. I didn't want to be bothered by people. I didn't need any friends. I didn't want to talk to people. Leave me alone. I just want to love my wife. And make a lot of money driving truck. And in that process, I started seeing some flaws in me. And I wanted to become a nicer person to people because I was kind of a miserable person. I still can be. Um, 
And so, but I was trying to do that apart from God. Like I like doing it with God wasn't even a thought that crossed my mind, but I just noticed that I was probably the, one of the meaner truck drivers I knew. And that's kind of, that's kind of hard to do. And, uh, and so I was like, I, I, just, I don't like that. I, I, I just, I want to be a nicer person. People. I just, I don't need to be freaking angry all the time. Yeah. And so I started trying to be a nicer person. And in that moment though, in that church, the Holy spirit said to me, you don't need to change to come to me, just come to me and I'll change you. That's it, man. That's and, it. and like, dude, dude, like I, those aren't magic words, but for me, they were magic words. Like when the Holy, when you feel like God, the creator of the universe, just for that split second, honed in, honed in on you, singled yeah. you out, and you're having this face-to-face -face with him for just a split second. And he says something to you. He's like, yeah, man, I know you. I know what you're doing right now. You're trying to become a better person. I'm trying to tell you, you don't need to change to come to me. Just come to me and I'll do it for you. That's it. And in that moment, the miraculous thing, the miracle happened. I dramatically changed in that moment. It's not like that for everybody. I understand that. But when I walked out of that church, I was a completely different person. Amen. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to be angry all the time. And the anger just left me. Um, the language was just gone. I didn't have even a, an inkling to, to, to curse and stuff. And it just, it, I completely changed person to the point that when I sat down in the car, my wife is pushing herself up against her side of the car, or the door. Cause she's like, what the heck is wrong with this dude? Like I was different. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I just didn't know how to explain it to her what happened to me. You know, I didn't even know what happened, yeah. but I had this overwhelming desire to start reading my word, get to know this creator, get to know yeah. my God. And like, all I wanted to do was know him. I just wanted to read my word all the time, all the time. I would drive my truck during the day, listen to sermons all the time, just constantly feeding it. And, um, that's a miracle. Amen. And that's the miracle that we want to see happen globally. That's it. You know, like, like everything, everything else, all the other miracles are supplemental to that ultimate goal of a miracle. You know, like, like if, if we see people, uh, somebody's leg grow right there in front of you, and that's a miracle, but that's to attest the, the, it, to the power of the name, Jesus Christ, the, right. the, the saving name of Jesus Christ. Like that it, it's all pushing people towards that one miracle that needs to happen for everybody, which is the salvation of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that's Romans 10, 9. You got to believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. It's a two-step process. And this is what people get so caught up in. I hate, I hate when I hear people say this because it, it, it scares me for them. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'll just, I'll accept Christ when I'm on my deathbed. It's not that easy. No, it's not. You can't trick your heart. You can't, you can't say, I'll wait until later. You have to put that time in now because it's not a matter of what you do to be saved, but you can't trick your heart. And so you can't just turn that switch on like a light switch. You're like, I guess I'll believe today. Right. Like you can say it with your mouth. I've said it with my mouth my entire life. I grew up in the church. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I went to Bible college underneath that pretext. Like, but in my heart, it never, my heart was never changed. And as I got older, it actually got harder towards God. Yeah. And so like, you you can go through your life and just be like, oh, well, I'll, I'll kick that down the road. You're playing Russian roulette, man. Yeah, You're bro. playing that game. So like, why, like uh, what my message to people is this, like embrace that the, the most powerful, magnificent miracle of all, which is salvation in Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ, you, you, you need to start looking into that option for your life. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it, when to do it, other than the fact that if you have any... Um, pre-existing notions as to 
why you're not following Christ, there's probably a good reason. There, there's there, you probably have a good reason for that, but you're probably also very uh, misinformed. Uh, I spent the majority of my life like that, and so uh, I, I just encourage people to uh, give Jesus another shot. You know, if they haven't done that yet, uh, and I, I don't really know how else to say that. You know, like like I, I go on my show, and this is another thing that taking it back to the miracle aspect, like. I run a paranormal podcast. I'm vocal about my my faith, right? I'm not shy about being a Christian, but I run a paranormal podcast where we talk to people about their encounters and people are becoming Christians through that. Yeah. That's a miracle. Yeah. And so when I say God's going to flex, that's what I mean, man. Amen, I think, brother. I think, I think we're, we're gearing up for some serious revival, not just in this country, but globally. And, and I get so excited about it. I just want to be part of it. I don't care how big <laughs> or small of a role I have in it. Like yeah. if God calls me to speak to thousands of people, if you know, every weekend on a different stage and just everybody's coming to Christ, praise God. But yeah. if I was standing in that crowd of a thousand people basking in the glory of God in that moment, I'm down for that action too. Amen. That's a lot of work actually. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, I don't know how we got from Skinwalker Ranch to that, but uh, that, yeah. <laughs> hey, that, that's perfect, man. You know, the outro of my show, you know, once we wrap up and it, I play my outro music, it's a couple of bluegrass songs from a, a gospel band down here. And in the middle of it, I, I I try to put out an altar call basically every every episode. And it's Romans 10, 9, man. I got really? it. Yeah, I got the decal on my, going all the way down the side of my Jeep, you know, over the, the back wheel, Romans 10, 9, because I want people to ask me. Yeah. Um, I love it, Tony. Uh. I definitely, yeah, I, I, I told you I'm kind of crunched on time this evening yeah. but, uh, because of a Bible study. But if you tell everybody like they don't know where to find you at and uh, <laughs> if if you would, man, I'd love to get you back on the show or I'll come on yours or whatever down the yeah. road. Because um, we got, there's there's some deep stuff we need to talk about, even if it's off air mm -hmm. and forget the shows. We, we just got to talk about some stuff, man. Yeah, man. Uh, anytime. Uh, I think you were on my show a long time ago. I don't remember what episode it was. I know it was a long time ago. Uh, was that before or after Christ coming into your life? Well, I see as a thing, I got saved when I was 20. Okay. But, but then I joined the military and spent 15 years as a wild man. And gotcha. about the last five or six years, I've been working my way back. And uh, I was, I was just finding my home church probably about the time I got on your show. Mm, okay, cool. Well, anyways, uh, my show, The Confessionals Podcast, uh, like I said, I host people in conversation with their experiences with the paranormal. Um, you know, I just went I, went I just went on the Bump podcast and uh, went full-blown Jesus. I typically don't get too preachy uh, on my show, but it's usually because I let the people guide the conversation. And so if the conversation doesn't go that way, it doesn't go that way. Um, so if you liked it, what I just did, I probably, you're not, probably not going to hear a whole lot of that on my show. If you hated it, well, then you're probably going to like my show. <laughs> so, uh, but um, anyways, uh, like I said before, I'm unashamed about how I feel about uh, my faith. And I also run Merkle Media, and that's actually starting to transition to what I'm probably going to be most known for over the next five years, uh, which, you know, I'm actually kind of excited for, you know, podcasting has been a blessing. It's been amazing. We're going to continue to do it. Uh, but this is the next progression. You know, it, 
I found out that video is often more powerful than audio. Yeah. You can get more of a message. And uh, I'm embracing that with Merkel Media. And so uh, Merkel Media, I'm the CEO. We got Joseph Granda, who is the head of filming and streaming development. And uh, we have Caleb Moore, who's the in-house executive producer. And the three of us are like the three-headed dragon. And we have a bunch of other guys that work with us. And uh, we're trying to create content, whether it's podcasts, uh, movies, documentaries that just speak to people, you know, on different levels. And we're not trying to make Jesus of Nazareth movies. We're just trying to make movies that kind of impact people in, in specific cultures. And uh, hopefully at the end of the day, give room for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And, um, and it's been very mission driven. Uh, we're creating really good content, I believe. Uh, we have... Our third documentary almost wrapped up in production. Uh, we have our first movie that we shot earlier this year. That's going to be wrapped up in production soon, and we'll be dropping those next year in 2024. Uh, just later this month, we're going back out and shooting another documentary. So uh, we're doing a lot of different things. Ultimately, we'd like to deal, be able to do uh, kids' cartoons is another thing that's really big in my heart. I got, I got two little kids, and I would love to – that's just something that I think I'd be very proud of if I could – kind of kind of come out with a kid's cartoon that my kids watch and like you know it's like man Amen. that's that's the true test you know like you got kids even if if they know dad made it 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 thinks it's like they're less inclined to watch it right yeah. uh and so if i can make something that keeps my kids attention and they like i know we're on to something then so Amen. uh yeah merkel media is the uh the next big project i'm on uh that houses the confessionals uh and other podcasts but um, yeah, that's that's me. You can check me out, Merkel.media, uh, theconfessionalspodcast.com. I love it. I love it. And Tony, I'll be honest with you. The reason why I started my show about three and a half years ago is because your waiting list was so long. And I was like, I have stuff to say. So <laughs> I, <laughs> right? I, I put it out there. I was like, I had a couple of friends come on the first few weeks. And I was like, man, this is really like it immediately started taking off, you know? Um, yeah. And because people people are hungry for the the the, the spooky stuff, um, so I, I cut my teeth that way, and it's just grown into its own thing. And like I said, it's it's for the Lord, and I'm just so grateful, man. I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful that you sent me the email, or your team sent me an email to, to come on here because we needed yeah. to have a longer conversation, man. And I I feel like uh, I feel like we can we can do some work together, maybe with Ward down the road too. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm excited to know you. Uh, I feel blessed to have you on the show, brother. And I, I hope God blesses you and prospers you and everything you touch. I appreciate it, man. Amen. Uh, God is good. And I'm just like, I have a friend uh, that told me this phrase once. And uh, I, I just repeat it because it's such a good phrase. That I, I feel like I'm just surfing the hand of God right now, That's you right. know? And I just want to kind of squat there and just kind of hunker in and just ride it. And then just, yeah, just take it where it goes. And, and, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Like I've been blessed that I've been able to do this as my career now. I mean, I don't drive truck anymore. This is what I do. I've been able to employ my brother to help me produce audio and all that stuff. Um, but if all this were to pass away and fall to the side, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, as long as I'm on that hand of God and I'm surfing that that wave, I'm not going to be bored. You know, I'm not yeah. going to be bored. I'm going to have things to do. Uh, God commissioned me to do this podcasting years ago, 
And if this ever falls apart, falls apart, then I'm just going to be like, okay, what's next, Lord? Like, what, else, what, what do you want from me? You know, uh, I just, till the day I die, I just want to be riding, riding that grace and, and just, uh, walk in the path that he's laid before me and I don't do it perfectly. And I, I am probably my worst critic. And I feel like many times I sit back and I, I say to myself, why am I doing this? Like, why, why, why are you putting me in this situation? And uh, I'll wrap up with this. I, I, my grandfather is one of the biggest, I guess one of the biggest things that I point to when I say, yeah, I believe that God still does miracles. It's because my grandfather, um, he told me stories upon stories of God using him in miraculous situations, people's legs growing, healing and sight being restored. And, um, when he was on his deathbed, I just had the foresight back in like 2011 to uh, sit with an audio recorder and let him talk about the stuff. And I recorded it, some of it. Yeah. And on that recording, I just listened to it again a couple of days ago and he's re recounting some of the things. And he said to him, he said to me that he would, he would say back then, he's like, God, why me? And I find myself saying the same thing. God, why me? Why are you, why do you have me here? You know how crappy of a person I am, you know? everything like why are you putting me in this situation and my grandfather said that he felt god say to him don't do that just enjoy it and um i kind of said i when when he said that i kind of a couple of days ago kind of pushed me back and i was just like okay i'm just gonna enjoy this and i'm just gonna ride it and just have fun and that's what i'm gonna do so i'm just gonna ride the the hand of god surf the hand of god have fun in the process and uh let it go let it rip I know, I know I'm not going to be perfect all the time. I know I'm going to say things, do things that mess up. I'm going to offend people. I'm going to say things I wish I could take back. I've done it a million times. Um, but uh, I don't know. Until God removes me from it, this is what I'm doing. Amen. Amen. You're going to do a good job at it, too. <laughs> Tony, man, uh, holler at me later. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to take off. Uh, I'll put this out ASAP. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Have a good evening. All right. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right? So, again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless. Has given thousands times ten.
personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. 
I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
So come on up to this altar and fall down on your knees and pray. And ask the Lord to forgive you and you'll be Better days, better days.